consider hemodynamic monitoring and monitor the urine alpha and and avoid hyperglycemia. Consider alternatives to radio contrast procedures uh, and then you know, your invasive and non-invasive workup uh, and whether that's appropriate, changes in drug dosing, whether or not to have renal replacement therapy and go to ITU and avoid subclavian vascats where possible and that's because these can cause stenosis of the central vessels so people are likely to need long-term uh, hemodialysis if you'd like to protect the central vasculature because um, you have only a finite number of vessels and you don't want to ruin your sites for potential future actions. So indications for renal replacement therapy, so we rarely use absolute values of urea or creatinine for initiation, in fact we shouldn't really use these values. So this table here from KDIGO uh, talks about some of the potential applications for renal replacement therapy. So there are your traditional life-threatening indications. No trials to validate these because presumably if it's a life-threatening emergency, then it's very difficult to uh, get ethical approval to withhold any of these treatments. So you can't you can't really um, do a trial where one, one arm gets it and the other doesn't. But um, traditional indications are hyperkalemia, particularly um, when it's refractory to medical treatment uh, and in practical terms this is often in patients who are oliguric or anuric um, if a patient has good urine output um, then it may be what they need is potentially fluids and or uh, diuretics um, acidemia so metabolic acidosis that's severe due to acute kidney injury um, may need renal replacement therapy so you know you're talking about pH of 7.15 and below um, pulmonary edema particularly when patients are refractory to diuretics and um, uremic complications so um, I mean it, this is, is rare really but if someone had a very high urea um, and you know had a uremic pericarditis or uremic encephalopathy or something like that and then you might use that as a trigger for renal replacement therapy but in, in practical terms um, it's quite rare that this is the trigger there's a, usually another problem before that's triggered this such as fluid overload or hyperkalemia. Um, and then there are kind of um, other non-emergent indications, so solute control, fluid removal, uh, correction of acid-base, other acid-base abnormalities, um, you know, and some sort of more exploratory um, uh, reasons for uh, for doing um, renal placement therapy. But these are kind of uh, less evidence. Well, they're not evidence-based, and they're kind of um, is using a, a renal replacement therapy to um, achieve other goals, so you know volume control, but not in the in the um, patient with severe diuretic refractory pulmonary edema. And sometimes, um, you know, patients who are uh, malnourished, you might restrict the amount of volume that you give them if they've got an oliguric acute injury, and then they might get limited nutritional support. So potentially taking some of that fluid off from uh, dialysis or filtration might allow you better um, nutritional supplementation. Um, similarly, if you're giving drugs that are given in large volumes of fluid, then you might 
very well. Um, in practice, I haven't seen too many of these um, sort of supplementary criteria used for renal replacement therapy. Um, another one that we sometimes, another indication that you may see, or another couple of indications is temperature control in people who've got really severe hyperthermia uh, that's kind of refractory to cooling measures um, and also certain drugs uh, and intoxications that can be used for um, uh, removal of the drugs which are removed by dialysis. So that, you will see those occasions. And um, this last diagram, for those who can see it, is just to demonstrate that um, people who have acute kidney injury they might have early mortality, they might have non-recovery or partial recovery or delayed recovery, they might have complete recovery. And for those who have uh, non-recovery, um, then they'll be left probably with uh, chronic kidney disease and chronic kidney disease uh, and acute kidney disease, a kidney injury, so it can cause cardiovascular disease. Um, and for those who sort of have an acute kidney injury that persists that's less than three months, so it's not quite chronic kidney disease, but it's a bit longer than an OKI, is this sort of um, period of uh, what's called acute kidney disease, which is a kind of uh, after OKI, but less than, than 90 days. Um, so yeah, consider, you know, your patients, they may be left with chronic kidney disease, they may need some time analysis, they may be exposed to additional risks as a result of this, such as cardiovascular disease. So, um, you know, acute kidney injury is important prognostically and it's important not just for short term, but it's important for long term. Um, and this last slide just shows um, some monitoring guidelines that have come out from the NOHR and the Royal College of GPs, uh, the AKI toolkit, um, for a bit of clinical uh, advice for GPs on patients who are discharged from hospital and went to, um, to check their bloods depending on uh, their risk factors. So patients who have got um, had a very severe acute kidney injury or patients who have uh, got lots of risk factors um, for uh, reduced kidney recovery, such as heart failure, etc., will need more frequent or certainly earlier uh, monitoring. Um, so that's just to remember that uh, the acute kidney injury um, journey and recovery if you like doesn't just stop at post-discharge and it's really important that we get our, our primary care colleagues on board with this. Um, and if you have a scenario about acute kidney injury um, in the interview it's worth you know mentioning this that you know at the point of discharge the patient will need to be monitored for renal recovery um, complications such as acute kidney disease or chronic kidney disease, ongoing cochineria, etc. And you'll need to make provisions for um, so that brings us to the end of the talk. I hope you found it useful. It's been an overview with a few tips and pointers. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to put some of this uh, to use in uh, your day-to-day -day work and in your interviews. Uh, thank you and good luck.